to The People's Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast, where I arm you every single week with the latest evidence on nutrition, health, and medicine. This week, I wanted to share with you some information on our blood cholesterol levels, heart disease, and ways to lower our risk of cardiovascular events, such as heart attack and stroke. One of my listeners, Phenol Blue, requested I do an episode talking about the differences between good and bad cholesterol. So that'll be coming at you right away. Before I jump into today's topic, I wanted to answer a few questions I received on last week's episode. Some people have asked, what about olive oil and avocado oil? Are they healthy to cook with? Are they likely to produce those toxic lipid peroxides? Well, if I had to simplify it all down to one statement, here it is. Extra virgin coconut oil is the best to cook with. Next best would be extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil. They are shown to be similar. Then the oils to avoid heating include soybean, sesame, corn, canola, vegetable oils, and flax oil, for example. Remember, some margarines contain these oils. But flaxseed, for example, is very healthy for us. We just need to avoid heating it and purchase cold-pressed flax oil instead. If you repeatedly heat an oil to high temperature, you are more likely to produce harmful lipid peroxides. So don't keep your fryer oil and continually reuse it. Some people have also asked about butter and clarified butter, also called ghee. These are far less studied for their heat stability and safety. So there are not enough studies to really answer that question. Based on the fatty acid composition of butter, it is likely to be fairly stable when heated. But what I can say is just like our bodies contain lipid peroxides, animal fats can too. So lipid peroxides do naturally exist in animal fats already. I hope that helps clarify this topic of cooking fats and oils with everyone. And if you have any more questions, feel free to reach out to me on social media. I wanted to change the format of my episodes a little bit to try and appeal to everyone in my audience. I find that sometimes I may lose some people in the scientific jargon and studies, while at the same time, some people really want to hear about the specific details of the study and the scientific evidence. So from this point forward, at the beginning of each episode, I will arm you with my core takeaways. Then if you are interested in the details, then you can keep listening on. So my core message for today's episode that I'm arming you with today is this. HDL is generally considered our good cholesterol and LDL cholesterol is generally considered our bad cholesterol. It is said that the ratio of these two to one another is what is most important. But why? Well, let me put it this way. The good HDL cholesterol are like the custodians of our arteries. They can help clean our arteries. LDL cholesterol that is oxidized is like the messy kindergarten kids, which can make a mess of things. 
and oxidized LDL can lead to clogged arteries. If we have one custodian to say 25 kindergarten kids, then that classroom is likely to be fairly messy, or in other words, our arteries are more likely to become clogged. If instead we have 10 custodians to 25 kindergarten kids, then that classroom is going to be pretty clean because that is a much better ratio of custodians to kids. And so our arteries are thought to be more clean and less clogged if we have a good ratio of HDL to LDL. The other core message I want to arm you all with is how to raise our HDL good cholesterol and how to lower our oxidized bad LDL cholesterol. So first off, if you're a smoker, stop cigarette smoking. Diabetes is a huge risk factor for heart disease, so please maintain healthy blood sugar levels. Avoid high fructose corn syrup, avoid high intakes of sugar, trans fatty acids, butter, and processed meat. Avoid heating or cooking at high temperatures with unsaturated fatty acid oils, such as vegetable oils. And what is good for our heart health? Exercise. Intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, vitamin C, soluble fiber, omega-3 fatty acids, and phytosterols, which can be found, for example, in citrus fruits, avocados, nuts, flaxseed, chia seed, hemp seed, and flax oil. But do not heat these food items. Okay, so those are the core takeaway messages of today's episode. So now let's get into more detail. Cholesterol is a type of fat that all animals produce. And cholesterol is very important because it is turned into hormones, vitamin D, and comprises the membranes of our cells. Cholesterol is very important in our nervous system where cholesterol helps create the protective myelin sheath that surrounds the axons of our nerves. The myelin sheath is what is impacted in patients that are living with multiple sclerosis. Having too low of cholesterol or too high of cholesterol may have some health implications. Now you can find out if your cholesterol is too high or too low when you go for an annual checkup at the doctor's office. When you get your blood test results, you will usually see triglycerides, HDL, LDL, and total cholesterol. So what do these mean? Triglycerides are a type of fat that contains three fatty acids. Triglycerides are typically a source of energy for our body. Triglycerides may be high, for example, from drinking a high amount of alcohol, from eating a lot of fructose or high fructose corn syrup, which can be linked to an increased risk of heart disease, or interestingly, triglycerides can be temporarily raised if you're eating a low-calorie diet, which in this scenario is not a bad thing. You see, when you are eating a low-calorie diet or a low-carb diet even, your body will release fat from your fat storage sites in order to be turned into ketones for energy. Released fat is in the form of triglycerides. HDL stands for high-density lipoprotein, which means it is more dense because it contains more protein and less fat. HDL is considered the good cholesterol because its job is to take fat away from our body and away from our arteries and bring it to our liver so we can use it for many things, including hormone production or to be used for energy. HDL has been implicated in helping reduce atherosclerotic plaques or clogged arteries. LDL stands for low-density lipoprotein. 
LDL is generally considered as our bad cholesterol because it takes the fat from our liver and stores it in our body or potentially even in our arteries. As a result, LDL cholesterol has been associated with an increased risk of heart disease. Now, how big the LDL particles are in our body are important for determining their impact on our health. The smaller and more dense the LDL particle, the more strongly it is associated with heart disease. This type of small dense LDL is more commonly seen in patients with type 2 diabetes. In 1999, Helly showed this. However, I would have to say that LDL being coined as bad is a bit inaccurate, as LDL cholesterol only becomes bad when it turns into something else called oxidized LDL. Oxidized LDL is really the culprit in heart disease because that is what elicits an inflammatory response and the development of clogged arteries. Cigarette smoking, for example, is a huge risk factor for oxidized LDL because cigarette smoking can induce free radicals and oxidation of cholesterol and can contribute to clogged arteries. For example, someone can have normal LDL cholesterol levels, but for example, be a very heavy smoker and as a result have a lot of oxidized LDL and be at a greater risk for heart disease than someone, for example, who maybe has slightly higher LDL, but eats a lot of antioxidants and never smoked, because this person would be far less likely to have oxidized LDL versus the smoker. Besides cigarette smoking, there are other ways cholesterol can become oxidized. If you remember from last week's episode, I talked about how fats can become oxidized if we heat or fry with them and they can become oxidized by free radicals and inflammation in our body as well. These lipid peroxides are toxic to the cells in our body and contribute to fatty streaks and atherosclerotic plaques or clogged arteries. Now here's an analogy to help explain LDL cholesterol. Rain, like precipitation, is necessary and a good thing because we need rain for plants to grow. Just like we need cholesterol to produce hormones, be the structure to our brain and cell membranes. But a rainstorm can become dangerous when there is too much rain, leading to a flood. LDL can become dangerous when we have really high levels. Likewise, rain can become dangerous when it turns into something else, like a hurricane. Likewise, LDL can become dangerous when it turns into oxidized LDL. In theory, if you have far more LDL, then you have a higher chance of producing oxidized LDL. That is why for many decades, physicians have pushed for lowering LDL by use of the medication statins. But someone argued that preventing the oxidation of LDL is really of the key importance. In last week's episode, I mentioned how to reduce lipid peroxidation. Briefly, cigarette smoking again is one of the biggest risk factors for lipids to be oxidized in our body because smoking greatly increases oxidative stress in the body. But there are other things we can do such as avoiding red meat, processed meat, sugars, refined carbohydrates such as white bread, white pasta, and white rice, and eating a variety of veggies and fruits high in vitamin C can all help lower lipid peroxidation and thus oxidized LDL. Now let's talk about atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is essentially clogging of our arteries. It is thought that atherosclerosis starts where the inner lining of our arteries becomes damaged. 
from, for example, high blood pressure, diabetes, or advanced glycation end products that come from eating a lot of sugar and refined carbohydrates, such as candies, pastries, and white bread, for example. When our, the inner lining of our arteries become damaged, what happens is things that are circulating around in our blood start to infiltrate into the inside lining of our arteries, and they start to accumulate there. In this damaged area, our cholesterol, our LDL cholesterol, may start to infiltrate and build up there as well. Now, this elicits an immune and inflammatory response because our body says, hey, this isn't supposed to happen. We're not supposed to have, you know, smooth muscle cells and cholesterol being built up here. So some inflammatory molecules called macrophages come along and they try to get rid of the cholesterol and the smooth muscle cells. But in the process, the macrophages actually make it worse and cause the cholesterol to become oxidized and creates what we call foam cells. The oxidized cholesterol and foam cells are what creates the atherosclerotic plaques and fatty streaks, essentially clogged arteries. The reason why these plaques are dangerous is because they narrow our arteries and reduce the blood flow to our organs. If you recall from my fifth episode on the podcast, I gave an analogy of how a narrowed artery puts us at risk for a heart attack or stroke. Just imagine if you have a plaque buildup within an artery of your heart, it means your heart is getting less blood flow than it should. And that can lead to a heart attack, heart damage, and maybe even heart failure. If there is plaque buildup in the arteries of your brain, that can potentially lead to a stroke. If someone has plaque buildup in the arteries of their legs or arms, this is called peripheral artery disease. So now that I've frightened you enough with the worries of atherosclerosis and clogged arteries, I'm going to tell you what increases our risk of clogged arteries and what can decrease our risk. The wonderful news is not only can we prevent this, but if we already happen to have clogged arteries, we can help reduce these. It was thought for the longest time that we need to lower our cholesterol levels then, which has proven to be effective for the most part, but we also need to reduce our inflammation, oxidative stress, and blood pressure. But how do we do that? Now, as I mentioned, the first step to atherosclerosis or clogged arteries is for our arteries to become damaged from diabetes, advanced glycation products, from eating a lot of sugar and refined carbs, and from high blood pressure. So logically, if you by chance are diagnosed with diabetes, it is crucial to work hard to maintain healthy blood glucose levels. For example, I did an episode earlier on apple cider vinegar, which can help us maintain healthy blood glucose levels. And I do plan on doing more episodes in the future on how else to help maintain healthy blood glucose levels. But in truth, it makes sense to cut out very sugary things such as sodas, candies, desserts, and high amounts of fruits, which also happen to contain sugar. Now, I also did an episode called The Silent Killer earlier in this podcast where I discuss a systematic review that I wrote on ways to help manage and prevent high blood pressure. These can also, in theory, help reduce stress and damage to our arteries. Another way to reduce atherosclerosis is to help keep our cholesterol levels at a healthy level. So what raises our cholesterol then? Well, eating too many calories raises our cholesterol. So simply, please don't eat more than your body needs. You can get an estimate of your calorie needs by Googling an estimated energy requirement calculator and putting in your information. Then there are a lot of apps out there that can help you count your calories and macronutrients from your typical day's diet 
to give you an idea of if you're near your goal. Now, some sources of saturated fatty acids in the diet can raise LDL cholesterol as well, but not all saturated fatty acids are the same. For example, coconut oil and butter are both high in saturated fatty acids, but both have a very different effect on cholesterol levels. Call last year in the journal BMJ, conducted a randomized clinical trial in which 91 men and women completed the study and were asked to add 50 grams of either coconut oil, butter, or olive oil to their diet daily for four weeks. The scientists noted that coconut oil resulted in favorable results on the cholesterol levels because it increased the good HDL cholesterol. In contrast, butter had some negative effects on blood cholesterol levels and increased LDL, or the bad cholesterol, compared to coconut and olive oil groups. You may be wondering why coconut oil is beneficial, but butter was detrimental to cholesterol levels. It could be because coconut oil, yes, does contain primarily saturated fatty acids, but these fatty acids are medium chain in length, meaning that they are more likely to be converted to ketones for energy very quickly instead of being stored on cholesterol molecules or in our fat tissue. Butter, on the other hand, has longer chain saturated fatty acids that are less likely to be burned up for energy and more likely to be stored on our cholesterol particles. Because saturated fatty acids are not all equal, saturated fat in the diet is not associated with heart disease. This has been shown in several meta-analyses that pulled together many cohorts. For example, in 2010, Siri Torino showed no association with saturated fat intake and heart disease. But Matsafari in 2010 conducted a meta-analysis that showed replacing some saturated fatty acids with polyunsaturated fatty acids can reduce the risk of heart disease. Now, one component to really eliminate from the diet are trans fatty acids. And that's something that we've been hearing about, I think, for the last 20 years. Trans fatty acids are known to markedly increase cholesterol levels. And that is why trans fatty acids have largely been removed from the food supply. And if they are in the foods, they must be indicated on the food labels. Trans fatty acids are produced when regular unsaturated fatty acids have been partially hydrogenated and chemically changed to be more solid at room temperature, which makes them ideal for shelf life, but not good for our health in clogging our arteries. In 1990, Mensink concluded that trans fatty acids not only increase LDL bad cholesterol, but they also happen to reduce HDL good cholesterol. That is why in 2006, the FDA declared that all companies need to identify if their products contain trans fatty acids and that they need to indicate how much it contains. Now, if you look at the ingredient list, partially hydrogenated oils will contain trans fatty acids. However, if a fat is fully hydrogenated, it's interesting because then it will turn the fat into a saturated fat instead of a trans fatty acid. So partial hydrogenation is really the worst culprit. So just look at the label to read if trans fat are present or not and try to avoid if possible. Now, another culprit in raising our cholesterol levels are beverages sweetened with high fructose corn syrup or fructose or in fact any candies in particular that also can contain high fructose corn syrup, as they have shown to increase triglycerides and LDL cholesterol. Now this was studied by Stan Hope and colleagues in 2011 and by many others since. In this clinical trial, beverages sweetened with glucose, fructose, or high fructose corn syrup were consumed every day for two weeks by healthy participants. 
The participants that drank the high fructose corn syrup or fructose sweetened beverages exhibited an increase in LDL cholesterol and triglycerides. As a result, it was suggested by these scientists to reduce high fructose corn syrup and fructose levels in the diet. Now, high fructose corn syrup is normally found in sodas and candies. Now, fructose is naturally found in fruits, but the fiber of fruit often offsets the detrimental effect on cholesterol and blood glucose levels. So if fructose is extracted from the fruit and added to a beverage or candy, that's really when it has the negative effect. All right, so enough about what has a bad effect on our cholesterol. What can now benefit our cholesterol? Well, we know that weight loss very beneficially impacts the amount, particularly of those small, dense LDL particles that are really the worst type of LDL particle alongside with the oxidized LDL. Now, another way that we can beneficially affect our blood cholesterol levels is to increase the sources of phytosterols in our diet. Now, plants cannot produce cholesterol like we and animals can, but instead they produce something called phytosterols. Now, the concept of phytosterols is really interesting to me, and I'd like to do an episode just specifically on phytosterols. But very briefly, phytosterols have shown to inhibit cholesterol absorption, and it can displace the fat in the micelles, which help with the absorption of cholesterol in the intestines. Now, clinical interventions that have had people add small amounts of phytosterols to their diet resulted in a reduction in cholesterol, triglycerides, and particularly lowered small dense LDL. Now the greatest sources of phytosterols are in plant oils, right? It makes sense, it's in the fat component of plants. Gilling in the journal Nutrients in 2015 showed that avocados are one of the highest known sources of a phytosterol called beta-cytosterol. Next in line were oranges and grapefruits had the next highest level, but avocados still had more than four times the amount of phytosterols in these citrus fruits. Dewister in 2001 showed that nuts are also a very good source of phytosterols, with almonds having the highest amount of beta-cytosterol. But other nuts, such as peanuts, macadamia, and walnuts, are also very good sources of phytosterols, as showed by McGuire in 2009. In 2018, Trotwein observed that two grams of phytosterols consumed per day had lowered LDL bad cholesterol by 4.2% and fasting triglycerides by 8.3% in patients living with type 2 diabetes. Lambert in 2017 showed that phytosterols with omega-3s can reduce inflammation and improve cholesterol profiles. Maruisi in 2006 showed that two grams of phytosterols taken every day decreased total cholesterol and LDL bad cholesterol in women with diabetes. So many clinical trials have shown the benefit of phytosterols on our blood lipid profiles. So again, the, the good sources of phytosterols include avocado, citrus fruits, and nuts. Now, another thing that can beneficially impact our good cholesterol or HDL cholesterol is exercise. Now, this makes sense physiologically. Remember what I said in the beginning of the episode, the function of HDL is to take fat from our stored site and bring it to our liver to produce things like hormones and to produce energy. So that is why when we are exercising and reducing our calories, then our body has to take fat from our storage sites to bring it to our liver to give us energy for exercising. So exercising is a great benefit on our cholesterol levels. 
So what else can lower our blood cholesterol levels and our risk of clogged arteries and heart disease? Well, we know that the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, that are commonly found in salmon, sardines, fish oil, and algae, are known to lower fasting triglyceride levels, which, are a no, which is a known risk factor for heart disease. However, long-chain omega-3 fatty acids do not appear to have an impact on blood cholesterol levels. Now, this was published by Eslick in 2009. Similarly, there is a vegetarian source of omega-3 fatty acids, and the vegetarian omega-3 is called alpha-linolenic acid, or ALA. And it can commonly be found in flaxseed, flax oil, chia seed, hemp seed, and walnuts, for example. Now, I have published several papers looking at clinical trials where we asked patients to consume 30 grams or three heaping tablespoons of ground flaxseed per day. We have shown that it significantly reduced cholesterol levels, significantly lowered blood pressure, and also lowered markers of inflammation and blood vessel constriction in the form of pro-inflammatory and vasoconstrictive oxylipins. So vegetarian sources of omega-3 fatty acids such as flaxseed also appear to have cardioprotective effects. Another way to help lower cholesterol is by adding sources of soluble fiber to the diet. Now soluble fiber can be found in beans, fruits, oats, chia seed, flaxseed, and psyllium fiber, for example, that can be found in the fiber supplement Metamucil. Now, soluble fiber is able to lower blood cholesterol levels because it absorbs bile acids. Now, bile acids are created from cholesterol. As a result, because the soluble fiber absorbs bile acids and cholesterol as well in the intestines, it excretes it and removes it from the body and therefore lowers cholesterol in our body. Another way to improve our blood lipid profiles is through intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating. And again, these are two topics that I covered previously on this podcast. We know that intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating has a beneficial effect on both inflammation and cholesterol levels. So in theory, we could hypothesize that it also can reduce oxidized LDL. Now, fasting really changes our metabolism to switch into fat burning mode instead of relying on carbohydrates for consistent energy. So this metabolic flexibility is very beneficial for reducing risk factors for chronic disease. Similarly, the ketogenic diet, which is a fasting mimetic diet, can also have benefit in lowering cholesterol as shown by a few clinical trials. However, as I cautioned in one of my earlier episodes about this diet, please base your fat sources primarily on plant sources and make sure to stay within your calorie restrictions and requirements so that your blood cholesterol levels do not increase. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes on lipid peroxidation and inflammation on last week, if you haven't listened to the intermittent fasting or silent killer episodes, I do encourage you to do so because I feel like there's a lot of related and important information to today's episode. Okay, so that is a wrap, my people scientist army. In brief summary, cholesterol is very important for our health as it helps produce our cell membranes, is important in brain health and hormone production. However, too low or too high of cholesterol can have negative health effects. So here are my important takeaways for today's episode. What is bad for our heart health and cholesterol? Cigarette smoking, uncontrolled blood sugar levels, high fructose corn syrup, high intakes of sugars and white carbohydrates, trans fatty acids, high intake of butter, high intake of red meat and processed meat, 
and heating or cooking at high temperature with unsaturated fatty acid oils, such as vegetable oils. What is good for our heart health and cholesterol? Exercise, intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, vitamin C, soluble fiber, omega-3 fatty acids, and phytosterols, which all of these, for example, can be found in citrus fruits, avocados, nuts, flaxseed, chia seed, hemp seed, and flax oil. But do not heat with these oils as they contain polyunsaturated fatty acids and when heated can produce negative lipid peroxide. So make sure to buy these oils cold pressed and add them to a meal at the end of a meal. So I have armed you with the scientific evidence on cholesterol and heart disease. It is now up to you to do with that information what you will. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, where I post some extra tidbits of information weekly. And you'll often see some very cute photos of the People Scientist Army mascots, Roxy and Luna. So until next week, I hope you all have a super healthy week. And I will meet you back here the same time and same place on the People Scientist podcast. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.